What is the latest, everyone, and welcome to our special edition NBA Draft in the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Devin Ugland and Ronnie Flores here with you for another episode, technically episode number 102, but in this show specifically, we're going to focus on the 221 NBA Draft, give you guys some thoughts, some themes, guys we like as sleepers, and guys who you know may be uh, not as good as advertised coming into this year's draft. But first, Ronnie, let's jump into the NBA Finals. Giannis Antetokounmpo, he did it, man. He did it yeah. with Bucks roster with one superstar himself and a roster that was developed and built around him. Um, and they, they beat the Suns in six games. Yeah. He had 50 points in the, in the game six ceiling game and just dominated um, from the outset, especially especially in the, the game four, uh, games five and game six, Ronnie. What, what were your overall thoughts about Giannis uh, and his ability to win a title with that style of roster when now we're used to you know two or three superstars per team winning NBA championships? Yeah, my initial thought is it's a great thing because it shows that most likely if you build, build a team and you hit it right in the draft, as obviously the Bucks did when they drafted Giannis 15, it's it can work you know it can work still i mean you don't have to kind of uh negotiate or, or manipulate like salary caps or or hey we're going to go to this team in a couple years join me in that team you know buddies that maybe grew up together or or got to know each other on the AAU circuit or or something like that in the all-star circuit it can work the way the bucks did it i, I think that kind of shows that um the bucks obviously played really well together and then I think there were some pointed moments that I saw in the series first is Monty Williams decision to sit Booker when he had five fouls and the Suns could have potentially took a 3-1 lead he sat for 458 of that third going into the fourth quarter again if he stays in the game maybe they build that lead and maybe he has a 50 point game a monster game maybe he has 55 points and maybe even if he gets f- fouls, let's say he gets a foul with four minutes to go or three minutes to go, maybe they have a big enough lead to hold on and take a three-to-one lead. If they take a three-to-one lead, this is a holy. This series is still going to, to seven. Mm-hmm. So that was I thought was a big moment. He 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 came back in, but he only went two for six. And then the ironic thing is, he fouled that would have fouled him out, and they didn't call it. <laughs> like he tackled Drew Holiday, they didn't call it. So. In that notion of him being a superstar player, which he pretty much is, he really is going to have to foul. I mean, he's really going to have to slug somebody to get foul out. So why take him out when they didn't even call it when he did foul? I, I just think that was a big moment in the series. Okay, and then yeah. obviously the okay. second moment, which you, you can comment on both of them, is at some point in game six, you, you're going to see that Giannis is going to have an all-time game. Mm-hmm. You can see that maybe by the middle of the second quarter, definitely by beginning of the third quarter. I thought you had to change the strategy. Aiton couldn't keep in front of him. You had to double at the top of the key, rush another guy. You had to make that adjustment. Right, it looked like he was going for forty or fifty points. So yeah, yeah. For, to your first point with Booker, that's such yeah. a tough call because yeah. you don't know what the officials thinking. You yeah. got three guys with whistles in their mouths. You don't know what they're going to call and what they're not going to call. Yeah. Uh, I do agree that that was a big turning point uh, yeah. in the series. And especially in that game, which eventually turned into you know the series turning yeah, point. The Suns never won again. Yeah, 
they didn't win a game after that, right? And and yeah. being, having your star player and your best scorer on the bench for that long and that important of a of a stretch is yeah. tough. It's a tough call, and maybe it was the wrong call, but who knows? We, we're not going to know because we don't know if the, if Devin Booker was going to catch a foul. Yeah, uh, in, in that four fifty eight, Ronnie. Yeah, it was just ironic because he, most people think he fouled two times again, and he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. yeah, yeah, that's what was ironic about it. I, you know, in my mind, I, I want to stay with the hot hand. You know, hey, yeah. just pull him out for a minute or so. Say, hey, relax, no problem. You know, we we got this. Just don't foul, don't anything dumb. And then maybe he has a monster game. You know, he was on his way to mon- he did have a monster game, but he did finish two for six. And then what do you think about the game six? Like, uh, you know, eight needed some help. Maybe he, the foot speed was just too much. Giannis was on a roll, and, and it just kept going until he had a 50-point game. Yeah, so what I think happened was Giannis saw all that room to get going, yeah. right? All that yeah. room that Aiton was Go giving downhill. him. Yeah. And he just got downhill whenever he wanted, got past Aiton, got to the foul line, and here's the kicker, Ronnie. He made – 17 of 19 free throws and yeah, he made like, free throws. Yeah. He made his free throws. So if he's making 17 of you know 90 plus percent of his free throws, you're going to lose that game. You're going to doesn't matter what yeah. else you do, you're going to lose that game if Giannis is hitting free throws at that clip. And as soon as he got confident and that crowd behind him was in favor of him and not counting yeah. how many seconds it took him to shoot a free throw. Yeah. He was comfortable. He was in. Yeah. He was at home. He was in. And a, that's why I think you got to make an adjustment. And, and and I want to give a shout out to Drew Holiday. He did a great job on Devin Booker yeah. and and at times I guess Chris Paul. You know he he really yeah he didn't have he had a couple games that were poor offensively but he he did great things defensively and he obviously had a great offensive game in Game Five. But his yeah. defense made a big difference. Just his playmaking in general made a big difference for sure. Um, and he didn't shoot well, but he he yeah. did well. Yeah, you got to take the shots. Even if you're not shooting well as a point guard, you got to be able to take those shots to keep the defense honest. And to your point, yeah, you got to throw some kind of different defensive package at Giannis. Throw him a different look, double team him, get him off the ball. Uh, get him off the ball. Don't let him just walk up the court and initiate a downhill drive in the in two feet into the paint every single time down the court because that's what he was doing. But a guy yeah, like that, he's going left or right. He's going to yeah. come back to his right hand, but he's still going left and. Aiden just left, didn't have yeah, he's going left. He's going to spin around eight, and he's going to get fouled, or he's going to make a shot. And that's just that's what happened. And and they didn't really adjust to to stopping that. Whether it's throwing an extra body or two at him, making yeah. somebody else beat them. I mean, they let you know one of the top three players in the world just have his way and beat them. In, in you know to his strengths, they didn't even yeah. try to get him out of his strengths. Correct. I guess. So I, guess I guess they were baiting him. I guess they were baiting him to shoot a three. With that, that lax yeah. defense like Rondo and defense. He did once. He did once. Yeah, but he he, he yeah. wised up to it and was like, "Screw that! I can just like no one's coming to help or no one's." Well, I'll reset and redrive. Yeah, yeah. You just back it out and drive back in. That's that's all he did the whole game. And I mean, credit to him for just taking advantage of what the defense gives him. That's kind of what you teach children, right? At, their, at a young age, basic basketball. Take what the defense gives you, and that's what that's what he did. And you know, Chris Middleton was getting a lot of credit during this playoff run, and especially in the yeah. finals. And I think it was deserving, right? Uh, a lot of yeah. people were like, "Oh yeah, Chris Middleton's the Batman, and Giannis is the Robin." Um, yeah. Whether it was like whether it was like the Talking Heads on ESPN or whatever it was. Uh, yeah. Obviously, that's not true. That's false. Yeah. But yeah. Chris Middleton is one hell of a one hell of a uh, Robin. 
Yeah, and I think it also what also this series proved is that Devin Booker's got to be on his game, and he is the Suns' best player. Um, at no point in that game did I thought whether it was Booker, and I'm speaking of Game Six, Chris Paul or anybody else was going to offset Giannis. They were going to have to win, you know, get hot from three or two, but not like I thought in the second half. Oh, Chris Paul is going to have a monster second half and offset what Giannis was probably going to do, which was score another, you know, 20 points in the second half. I think he had a monster third quarter. You can see, kind of see that coming. And nobody from the Suns offset that. It didn't, there was no any time in that second half where I thought, okay, now Book or Chris Paul is going to take over. It just yeah. didn't, just didn't have that feel to it. Maybe because it's a road game. Maybe, maybe because it's it takes a special performance to do that. You know they did a pretty good job on Devin Booker. Well, so. I mean, yeah, you run. I mean, guys eventually run out of gas, and yeah. I'm not saying Booker or Chris Paul ran out of gas. It just looked like from from a team standpoint, the the wind was out of their sails in that second half when Giannis just kept going. To, as soon as he kept hitting free throws in the second half, that's when the body language kind of changed. And like, dang. I'm not sure we can overcome this if Giannis is, is hitting his free throws like that. Correct. You you just knew that, obviously I don't want to put all the blame on Booker or Paul, but they're the two leaders, that they weren't going to have an 18-point fourth quarter. It right. just didn't. You knew that in the third quarter. Like like you said, the body language, their energy level just wasn't there. So yeah. very interesting for Middleton because I guess he's one of the first uh, G League players to make the All-Star game. Is that accurate? Or um, one of like – to be a, a star player on the team, he, he came wow. from the G League. So you're the historian, so you know better yeah. than I do. Yeah, very interesting as we pertain to this NBA draft. As we talk about this draft, I think this Giannis story is always going to be big, Devin. Why? Because obviously his Nigerian background. He grew up in Greece. That that's always going to resonate. But he was the 15th pick in a draft where Anthony Bennett went number one. That's always going to be remembered. So that kind of takes us to our topic now of this draft. Obviously, this top of the draft is supposed to be a lot stronger than that top of the draft. You know, the first four or five picks are supposed to be a lot stronger than Anthony Bennett was in that draft, way stronger. So, uh, you know, that's the first theme is those top picks are supposed to be game-changing players. We know those players well. We followed them well. Um, you know, is that true, I guess, or is this draft really quote unquote deep? Like people are saying, is it not? I, you know, I have my thoughts. I, I want to hear your overall thoughts right now on the draft, just general highline. And then I guess, where does that, are those four guys that we're speaking of? And we'll get into them a little bit that good. I think it's going to be similar to the 2020 draft where, uh, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, uh, James Wiseman, even though he got hurt, he showed flashes of being really good. That yeah. you know, the first three, four, five picks were going to come in and be solid from the get go. And obviously, uh, Edwards and Mello, Lamelo Ball were you know great, had great rookie seasons. Lamelo Ball won Rookie of the Year, and Anthony Edwards, Rookie of the Year runner up. But I think we're going to see a lot of guys as we move down the first round and into maybe even the high second round, mid second round guys who just kind of pop up out of nowhere and are better than expected and play higher than what their pick was because we're coming off of a year of, you know, limited visibility as far as college basketball goes, uh, shortened schedules, right. Uh, less TV games for the smaller market teams and the NBA franchises have to do more due diligence, more background stuff, more film watching to find out what these guys are all about. Like a guy like Kessler Edwards at Pepperdine, 
a guy like sure. that who's who's in the NBA draft. Like, what is Kessler Evers all about? Not a lot of NBA GMs, I'm assuming, got to go to a Pepperdine practice or a Pepperdine game within the last two years because of COVID. So yeah, the way. So but I think has got to catch up. They got to catch up on these guys. Yeah. So I think I think you know we'll see some mid first round guys who end up being really good, and we'll see some second round guys who end up being really good. And I think the top four, in my opinion, Ronnie, the top four picks of this 221 draft are guys who will come in and impact immediately. Um, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, and Jalen Suggs. I like yeah. those four guys to come in and be guys who come in and can play meaningful minutes right away. Because if we start with Cade Cunningham, he has a total package. We've talked about him a lot on our show. We've done an uh, on the rise on Cade Cunningham. Go to the Balls Life podcast network and you can watch our video on Cade Cunningham where we break down his full game. Um, Evan Mobley, defensive game changer, right? Ability to run the floor, finish, good hands, good feet, good touch. And then you have Jalen Green, who's a dynamic athlete, Ronnie, a guy who can score in a variety of ways, improve jump shot. Um, but again, a high flyer who, who um, I guess, in space, that's where he excels. And that's the, the, the name of the game in the NBA right now is space, Ronnie, because you can't guard anybody like you did in the 90s. You have to give them freedom of movement. And if you give Jalen sure. Green freedom of movement with his athleticism and his length and his creativity with the ball, he's really hard to cover. And then sure. Jalen Suggs, the last of the four guys, the guy who I think I think is going number four, we'll pull up the draft board a little bit later, Ronnie, yeah. but the guy who I think is going number four, Jalen Suggs, he proved himself as a big-time point guard in the NCAA tournament for Gonzaga um, in 220 um, or 221. I'm, dude, I'm so lost right now. Yeah. The 221 NCAA tournament. The 221 um, NCAA tournament, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it was like like five years ago. Yeah. 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 He proved himself as a big, big game player and a guy who uh, is, you know, has the build, the mentality, the uh, cohe- the um, kind of clutch gene, and you know, just carries himself in a way that you expect an NBA point guard to carry himself. What is you, what is your thoughts on the the top half of the lottery? I would say. Yeah. So I'm with you on your or initial like. Uh, prediction or initial na- analysis that the four four picks are like the real draft starts at the fifth pick. Yeah, you know, you're going to get a pretty good pick, pretty good player at the top four. My other kind of theme there right now, I'm looking at the at uh, the picks and trying to see what people need. Obviously, in a little bit of yeah. the picks are what's the Thunder going to do with all those picks? The Oklahoma City Thunder. So that comes in at around right after the lottery, sixteen and eighteen. And then what are the Rockets going to do as they're in rebuilding 23 and 24 back? They, they kind of don't need 23 and 24 back-to-back. Similar right. as the Thunder don't need those two picks. So Golden State kind of comes into pl- to play a little bit. They got a pretty good nucleus if they can be healthy. Again, their window with the group they have, the core is, is not big, but what do they do at seven? You know, they do they go for like a, a, a backup point guard or a point guard that's going to, come in and help or do they do they you know just get the best player available that type of thing so those are a sure. few teams I see that you know what are they gonna do um you know obviously there's a lot of good players in in this lottery I would say more than people thought in that Giannis draft because people didn't know who was going number one obviously 
Yeah. If people knew what they knew now, Giannis would be number one. But th that's not how it worked out, and that's how it never works out. You got to project, yeah. especially now. You got to really project because this is a small window sample size for for most of these guys. Very few guys have a big have a big one. They just don't. They're just not in college that long. I mean, I mean, just kind of peeking at your board. I guess the first guy that would be in college for a long time would be Davion Mitchell, yep. who could go, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten in that range. The point guard from the NCAA champ Baylor, um, Baylor, Baylor Bears. So Baylor has a couple guards, and and, and it's very interesting, you know, where they're gonna fit. So we're looking at your board now. Obviously, I give some of my input. Kate Cunningham at one, Mobley at two. There's a lot of people that think Green could go two. Yep. Green in third, Jalen Suggs four. So then the big question is, do the Orlando Magic take Scotty Barnes at five, or is that the guy they want? Or are they going to try to move it? Is somebody going to try to get in that spot? Does somebody want the first two or three spots with Cleveland? You know, is Cleveland going to unload some of the guards they have? Are they going to move on from Colin Sexton already? Or, you know, does Cleveland really hope that the Rockets take Green so they can get Mobley? Right. Yeah, no, because, hey, we like our guards. We we want to try to keep them. We want a big guy. So those are questions. It looks like Detroit's going to keep the number one pick for now. Again, we're a week out. I know you can update your board. Well, guys, as we shoot this, uh, you know, people are watching this, listening to this. This is about a week out. We're yeah. about literally a week away from the first pick, literally by the hour. So it's like, <laughs> it's obviously, Devin, you may update this board a little bit between now and maybe Wednesday, and then, you know, we'll – We'll stop. We're not going to try to pull any funny business and, and, and update it later. But at some point, you're going to stop updating it. You'll make little tweaks to it. And, and that's what I kind of see at the top. You know, what Okay. What does Cleveland want to do with the roster they have now? Obviously, the Rockets need good players. They have a good core. You know, Christian Wood's a good play, place to start. And then what are the Magic trying to do? Those are great questions. And I think a lot of it's going to be best player available, honestly. Yeah. in this draft because of the lack of the lack of uh, visibility or the lack of evaluation time. Uh, yeah, the Jaden Green, Evan Mobley situation is interesting to me because I just think nobody wants to go to Cleveland. That's what I think everyone's just trying to avoid going to Cleveland. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure there's been some things put out from Jalen Green's camp that I saw on Twitter, whatever it is, that they don't want to be in Cleveland. And a lot of I'm sure a lot of draftees feel the same. I'm sure uh, they may not admit it, but yeah. I mean, well, they're not going to admit it. But again, like I mean, just that track record um, without LeBron James in on the roster, uh, <laughs> the track record's not great. And yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Colin Sexton. I'm I'm pretty sure they're gonna they're gonna keep Darius Garland, who uh, I think fits what they want, what they do well, fits in the NBA well. Um, but yeah, I think Mobley and Green could be flip flopped here for sure. And then, yeah, I think as we scroll down a little bit, the draft starts here at number five, Ronnie, with Orlando. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be team need and best available. Uh, Scotty Barnes, the reason I have him there is he's a local guy. He's that area. He'll bring some fans yeah. into the into the stands. Um, and he'll... Gives you, know, you a lot. He gives you a lot of different things. He's, he's versatile at 6'8". Uh, he can handle it, pass it, uh, score it, good rebounder. Um, we saw him a lot at the Pangos All-American camp or various camps that we've seen uh, since he was younger. And just a guy who kind of brings leadership to the court. Um, Golden State's another interesting team because you don't know the health of Clay Thompson, right? You don't know. Yeah. Steph Curry got healthy later on. 
and um, was great, obviously. When he's healthy, he's fantastic, obviously. Um, but a lot of the chatter is, oh, we got to move on from Wiseman because we need to win now. If you, I'm not sure if you've seen that stuff going on 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 various things. Like, are the Warriors actually thinking about moving their Why, second like packaging pick? Wiseman? Yeah, in a, in a pick for somebody right who can help them win right now. I don't know. Um, yeah. I have Davion Mitchell here because he's a high, high-level defender and a guy who can score it a little bit, a guy who's kind of a leader, and obviously not the same height as Clay Thompson at 6'6", but brings similar traits to the game as Clay Thompson. Yeah. And they went big in the draft uh, last year, so I think that they need to start building for uh, the future with a guard. Um, yeah, they got to build. They got to get a guard, a backup guard, a younger guard. You know, Curry only has so many seasons left. I mean, they should have. They should have gone with Lamelo Ball last year. I mean, it was a no. Oh, I, I was yeah. just gonna bring that up. Yeah. You mentioned that in last year's draft, and on our show, you mentioned, dude, don't pass up Lamelo Ball, and then you have your future in the backcourt kind of set. Now you're saying, well, they kind of with package Wiseman because they want to win now, kind of where they are were last year. Yeah. You know, but they have a nice asset in Wiseman. He's still, I think, a pretty good asset to have in your in your franchise. You know, you can get something if that's what you intend to do with him and number seven or something of that nature. You know, or you pick yeah. at number seven for somebody else, in essence, yeah. which we're going to see a little bit of that in this draft, I think. Especially, like I said, with the Rockets and with Oklahoma City. Yeah, so you know, many they, picks. They have so many picks. They're right there at number six. Like you have Kaminga, Jonathan Kaminga there, one of the youngest guys in this draft, one of the kind of the guys who may maybe some upside in this draft. You don't know exactly what you're getting, but he has a lot of it. He has a lot yep. of potential. Yep. They, they can package that, some move him with some maybe a team that wants to watch him for later that doesn't have that set, or maybe somebody else moves into that six pick. So sure. if you look at these consensus rankings all the way to the right on the board, if you guys are watching this, Kaminga was kind of like a number one type of guy in his class originally. Then you you see these guys above. Suggs was very high rated. He was probably underrated, 9.33. Barnes was like six in that range, right where he's going to get drafted. Yeah. And then you played Cunningham and Mobley are right where they're drafted. Money, Cunningham, Mobley, and Green are right kind of where we expected out of high school. Then when you get to the Davion Mitchell pick is where it all changes. Yep, look at this. 67, where, 68. Yeah, 68, 19. That's where guys... We don't, you know, where they have to build their resume to get there to get that high in the draft. They have more, they either have more seasoning, college seasoning, or people didn't just didn't expect them that as as college prospects coming into from high school. And right. then that, that's a that's a great thing. I mean, wasn't uh Mitchell at another school? Yeah, Baylor's team almost all transferred in, yeah, you know, so it's very interesting how good they're considered. And how good of a prospects they were coming in. So, you know, that that's very um, kind of a theme of this draft is when you get to that Mitchell pick, it's a way different feel than looking at their, where they were ranked in high school, which is For kind sure. of what we knew kind of uh, excel at or kind of our strength. And then we get into how they are in the draft because this is obviously one year later for most of these guys. Right. So you mentioned Melo. I wanted to give you a, a shout out as back to that last year. You were high on Tyrese Halliburton, and my guy, one of my guys, was the guy in Detroit 
from La Lamir, who I kept saying should go, he should go, he should go, he should go, and they did well. Isaiah so now we're trying to do that again. Yeah, you know, like Isaiah Stewart. That's what yep. he was. Another mentioned. another guy I liked who was uh, Pistons draft picked as well and was a first team uh, All NBA rookie guy was Sadiq Bay from Villanova. I yeah. think anytime you pick somebody from Villanova, you look at Michael Bridges with the Suns. You're getting a guy who knows how to play basketball. Yeah. who has been taught the game at a high level. Uh, and Vill- Villanova guys always come into the NBA ready to contribute uh, on both ends of the floor. Um, yeah, just to, f- to finish out the rankings point, Ronnie, you look at Franz Wagner. Obviously, he went to Michigan, and he's not ranked, but he played overseas, right, yeah. before coming yeah. back, coming here and, and playing um, college basketball. Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. Yeah. Uh, have him going 11 to the Hornets because of his shooting ability, Ronnie. Spread the floor, give Lamella Ball another weapon uh, out of ball screens. A guy who can catch and shoot and one dribble pull up, and with good size at six seven. Obviously, from a legit college program of Gonzaga, proven winner, and he was not ranked. Ronnie, he's an American player, American high school player, uh, yeah. not ranked by any any recruiting in, service in the top one hundred. Yeah, and, yeah. It obviously, then, it'll go down, but you know, two hundred, but like in the top one hundred, what people care about, or yeah. what people. Because after you get past a hundred, it's a crapshoot anyway. So for sure. And then yeah. one of the one of the kind of wild cards, Ronnie, that have has uh, jumped out onto everyone's draft boards is Josh Giddy, uh, a six nine point guard from Australia. And we watched some of his highlights. His his team reached out to us at Ball is Life and was like, "You got to watch this these kids this kid's highlights. He's amazing." And they're right. He's a good player. He's an intriguing and, player. Yeah, yeah, he's a really good player. Really smart, crafty, high IQ, and I think. Uh, go, him going to San Antonio would be a nice little fit there uh, with the way that San Antonio plays, with the way Greg Popovich coaches. Uh, I think that's a nice fit. And to round out the lottery, which would be 13 and 14, Ronnie, Kai Jones from Texas, 6'11", just freakish yeah. athlete. I think he fits um, well in you know a, a, four, a high motor four or undersized yeah. five role in the NBA, just catching lobs, blocking shots, energy guy. And then Jalen Johnson, who was a high-level recruit coming out of high school, Ronnie? I think before his, yeah, before his overall ranking dropped to eleven, about eleven. I think he yeah. was high. I think he was in like a top five or top six. He was right? higher because he missed most of his senior year. That was the year that, and we'll get into this. Is that he was expected to play for IMG on a very good team, and then he left by Thanksgiving, and that kind of catapulted that Montverde team which we're going to talk a little bit about in the next two episodes in a draft special. And make sure you guys tune into the draft special the day of the draft. We'll, we'll jump on about 45 minutes before it actually starts, you know, uh, maybe yeah. 3.30 Pacific, 7.30 or, yeah, 6.30 Eastern that day. But we'll, we'll, And one of the things we're going to talk about is the, that Montverde Academy team. So because they beat, they beat yeah. IMG three times that year. One game was only close game. But how would have that would have gone if Jalen Johnson was the you know on that IMG team? That could have you know they, they might have beat him once out of those three times, maybe not. But it would have been something to. That's what we were kind of uh, anticipating. Then he left the team. He went back to Nicolette High School in Wisconsin, where he's originally from, and then he joins Duke, like you said, as a highly ranked guy, maybe a little bit lower than people expected. If he would have finished out that season, you know, people kind of dinged him. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to Duke and he doesn't finish out that season. You know, uh, you know, he played and I have it here in my notes. Uh, Jalen Johnson ended up playing 13 games for Duke. 
11.2 points, 6.1 rebounds, 52% from the field, 44.4% from the three. So he actually has some ability, Devin. Do you think he's being knocked again just like he was in those rankings, or do you think people are going to do their intel, do their homework, and he's going about right where he should at 14, or you think that's still based on some people are going to pass on him because they don't, they want a guy who's all uh, engaged. They want a guy who's who who you know is doesn't have any questions about his love for the game or maybe buying into a team 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 chemistry or Man, team atmosphere. I, I hate to like speculate on a guy's yeah. you know buy in or a guy's character yeah. or young player, but just track record. Yeah. Um, you know NBA teams are going to reach out to IMG's coach and a bunch of other people. Yeah. They're going to reach out Knight to yeah. His they're going to reach out to Knight Riders coach. They're going to reach out to the Duke coaching staff to to talk yeah. about this kid and and those guys those those guys will tell the truth. Um, so I think with this spot at fourteen to the Warriors, I think that's a good culture for him to go into. Sure, uh, you know what I mean. Like with Steph Curry yeah. and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, I think it's yeah. a good culture, uh, a team style culture that he could buy into. And I think that would be a good fit for him because skill set wise. And size wise, Ronnie, and the whole package that he has, yeah. he's a top five talent. Yeah. He, he is a top five talent in his class, yeah. maybe a top ten talent in this draft. Because I sure. could like Scotty Barnes is at number five. Like I could see Jalen Johnson being as productive, if not more productive, than Scotty Barnes in the NBA, just because yeah. his skill set, especially his perimeter shooting, is a little yeah. bit better than Scotty Barnes, his three point shooting. Sure. And man, yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely, you know at this spot, this 14 spot, because of his track record uh, sure. with IMG and with Duke and kind of the issues that came to light when he left Duke. Um, but yeah, I think that is, you know, that that's kind of why he's at this rank that's, here. Running. That rank. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. And like you said, Scotty Barnes, 10.3 points, four rebounds, four assists, you know, terrific all-round player. Then, the, the like you said, the red flag that everybody's going to, Try to dissect in the next week the twenty-seven point five percent from the three-point line. Yeah, from the I college three-point line. Yeah, from the college three-point line, and we know yeah. when that that NBA three-point line comes back even further, it's really tough for guys yeah. to adjust. But real quick before we move into our next draft topic, make sure you guys go to balleslife.com, check yeah. out our players tab or our profiles tab right here, yeah. and you can see almost any player you want from yeah. from. Like now, two twenty fives yeah. until I mean, let me click on it here, Ronnie. We can check it out real quick. Yeah. Um, graduation year. Let's go to nineteen fifty six just for fun. <laughs> Filter. Let's. How about we rather not? Oh, there is none. Come on, Ronnie. Oh no, there is. Yeah, I mean, there's there's there top, top high school players in nineteen fifty six. Just obviously, we don't have pictures of these guys. We should get a picture. Lenny of Wilkins. Lenny yeah. Wilkins from Boys High. Yeah. You know, Providence College, just good information yeah. about him. So that's to your point. If we're we're gonna keep building it up, we keep adding more stuff all the time. As you can and, see, and obviously you, this it's robust for a guy like Scotty Barnes. Yeah, obviously yeah, well, he played on that. Played in. Yeah, yeah, he played on that Night Riders team as well. Look at his ranking nine four six. So again, looks like ESPN looked at his like all the things he can do: defend, lead. They put him at four, whereas two, four, seven is like, we don't know about that shooting. Let's put him nine, or they had him nine. Yep. And that's a question I have. And he's kind of one of my enigmas in this draft, Devin. It's very tough at five. Knowing today's NBA, and do I want to draft Scotty Barnes five? 
I'm just that would be a tough pick for me because how much he's going to improve on the shooting? Yeah, I can improve, but how much? You know, I'm just like, man, that's a tough, that's a tough call, and that's why NBA GMs get paid the big bucks. You got to make the right, yeah, you got to make the right projection. You know, I think. I think that enigma is a good one, and I think your other one, you have Jalen Johnson on yours, right? No. Yeah, yeah you do. Yeah, Jalen Johnson, and then who is your, who's your third, and then I'll go into a couple of mine. Yeah, mine would be right before him is, is Jonathan Kaminga. Again, I'm going toward more of the top. Um, at some of the G League games I, I saw, you know, I just didn't see a top four or five pick. I saw a top four or five specimen, like how he looks, how he moves. Just his percentages and his decision making at times, you know, I, I didn't really see a, a left something to be desired for me. I didn't see a four or five pick, and you have him at six, obviously, but to the Thunder, who obviously can do a lot with that pick. And I just wanted to to, to uh, throw down Kaminga's numbers: thirteen games, he did fifteen point eight points, seven point two rebounds, so he could do that. Thirty eight percent from the field. 38.7, 24% from three, 62% from the free throw line. You know, Devin, that free, his assisted turnover ratio is basically one to one. Again, he's 18 years old. He's playing older men in that league. But at some point, uh, I'm looking at those raw numbers. Oh, boy. Like, is, is that shooting percentage because he doesn't? understand the you know the nuances of shot selection that could be thick or is he just not going to pick that up and he's going to struggle in that re- regard going forward you know I, it's hard to say but he's 18 years old so you think there's a lot of growth there he can mature he can get better but when i saw those g league games I, I i know at times he looked really good and people elevated his stock but that's because his stock was already lower than Jalen green's Jalen green had nowhere to go but to maintain his stock or down Whereas Kaminga had nowhere to go but up, in my opinion. Where what are you gonna, you know, he had more question marks. So that's what I see is his stats are nowhere near Jalen Green's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with your three that you already put out yeah. there. I'll, I'll add a couple more just for debate purposes. Um, uh, James Boonight from UConn. Yeah, uh, number eight to the Magic is where I have him going, and that's sure. high. That's yeah. high. He's a he's a you know a big. Combo guard, NBA style scorer, uh, you know, crafty with the ball, good jump shooter, and you know, a guy who uh, can create his own shot off the bounce. Um, but is James Boone Knight good enough to be a number eight overall pick in the NBA draft? I mean, Anthony Bennett went number one in, in a draft, so you know, I, I guess there's no telling until the ball goes up in the next NBA season and we see how good this guy is. I think he's talented enough to go this high. Obviously, I have him slotted here, and. He, I think you have his numbers up, Ronnie. Let me let me find. Yeah, this. there's his numbers on the on the on the. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get it right now. So they're they're in kind of an order. Yeah, 18.7 points per game, 5.7 rebounds per game, 1.8 assists per game. So that shows Ronnie that yeah. not much of a playmaker for teammates. Uh, yeah. 44.7% from the field from the from overall from the field, and then 29.3% from the college three. Ronnie, it could be yeah. a case of bad shot selection or. Um, or the fact that he had to basically take all the tough shots off the bounce the late in the shot clock on that UConn team. He's going to be interesting one, an interesting one for me. I think Corey Kispert is going to be interesting to me, Ronnie, because are you 
content in taking a potentially, you know, one trick pony style player that high in the draft. I, yeah. I mean, can you defend at the NBA level? Um, we know he's going to hit shots at the NBA level, but when those closeouts get quicker and faster and longer, can he put on the deck a little bit and create for him himself and teammates? That's going to be an interesting one for me too. And then Cameron Thomas, man, I think we'll talk about, you know, our sleepers, quote unquote sleepers next. Yeah. I have him slotted at 16 to Oklahoma city. He, I think he's the best pure scorer in this draft. The best just I really pure. like Cameron Thomas. We've talked about him many, uh, many thoughts. We saw him, you know, I got to see him a lot, evaluate him a lot. And yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a talented player. Is it, like you said, is it a case of some of his percentages? Is it, uh, you know, too many me, me, me guys on that LSU team? Or is he just a cat, you know, a volume player? I mean, that's what, that's he, could a, he could be a volume player, but you look at, you look at guys in the NBA right now who are volume players. I mean, uh, Carmelo Anthony made a career out of being, uh, out of being a volume sure. player, but obviously Carmelo Anthony's six, eight, um, yeah. Devin Booker, would you consider him a volume player? Um, I might, I might, yeah. um, a guy like that who can score in so many different ways and hit shots off balance, tough contested, um, and be able to kind of create that space that he does off the dribble. I mean, he's just really tough to guard and guys like that excel in the NBA in his one year at, at LSU, he averaged 23 points a game, Ronnie, um, 40% from the field, 32% from three, 88% from the free throw line. So not bad numbers. He shot the ball 17 times, man. So he definitely is not 17 times yeah. a game. He's not afraid to get him up. And I respect And he can that. have the ball in his hand. You know, no, like, yeah. you know, our guy, uh, Javante Smart had the ball in yeah. his hand a lot. I saw LSU a lot in their conference tournament, in their going into the tournament. They had some players that were very interesting to follow because some of them are NBA prospects and they had a lot of good players. Mm -hmm. You know, and it just, man, they, like you said, I, Cam Thomas, is he. You know, he, as you said, you know, is he a shoot first approach? Is that is he is he going to be able to tailor his game to wherever he goes? You know, can he can he create a little bit more playmaking and, and pick up his defense? Sure. That, you know, can he do that? I haven't that, slotted that, that, to I haven't slotted to Oklahoma City right now. So at yeah. sixteen, so I don't really think I want him to tailor his game. I think I want him coming in yeah. and putting the ball into the basket, and that's what he does. Right especially that's for a young good. Oklahoma City team uh, that has a solid point guard in Theo Maladon that they drafted uh, in the last draft. Good player, you know, has a lot of upside. They got, uh, I, I can't really say his name, but they call him Poku, the, you know, seven-footer, kind of a little mix of like Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and, and Dirk Nowitzki. He's, he came on late in the season and was really good. So you put a guy like Cameron Thomas who can draw that much defensive attention on the court because of his scoring ability that opens up a whole, you know, wide range of things for other guys to do, especially yeah. in the NBA with the spacing. Yeah. And it meant you mentioned funny. We mentioned some guys that have some question marks or their enigmas in this draft. They can, you know, fall or come up. The guys you mentioned, very interesting. Kaminga I mentioned and Cam Thomas, those are the teams that mean you're following kind of closely because they have a lot of picks, the thunder. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the warriors. With Mitchell and Jalen Johnson, they have some, you know, I guess they have some options is what I'm saying. They can make trades. They can go back. They can move forward. You know, the, the Thunder, they're the, they have a lot of options 
as do the Rockets with some of the picks they have. And they're obviously in rebuilding mode. So they're going to just say, hey, you know what? Maybe they are going to tr- make a trade. But I think they're going to say, you know what? Do I, we want Mobley or do we want Green? Then we're going to keep them. And then in the later picks, they can make a move. You know, so it's, it's obviously some of the teams are a little more, they have a little less leeway because maybe they have a veteran roster or they don't have as many picks, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, the Thunder got a lot of picks coming up in the future. Um, I just can't see the Rockets needing number 23 and number 24. You know, right. what What do, uh, how about later in, in the better teams, Devin, the Suns, 76ers, Nets, maybe even late into the, early into the second round. One thing I'm obviously going to see is I'm very interested is A.O. Dusamnu from Illinois, the point guard, uh, Josh Christopher in that range, maybe 32, 33, 34, Quentin Grimes, De'Ron Sharp uh, from North Carolina. And then another guy who I thought maybe was going to get a little bit more buzz around in the NBA, I don't know about his full game, is from, from Villanova, the forward who people thought was really highly regarded coming out of coming out of high school. Jeremiah and, Robinson Earl. Yeah, Jeremiah Robinson Earl looks like he's just kind of fallen. So very interesting uh, scenario with some of those name players we know that were good college players or came into college as highly regarded guys and what happened to them. Yeah, I'll, uh, I can pull, right, I can pull yeah, what happened to them. Maybe one day we'll do a what happened to them uh, show because there's plenty of yeah. those uh, there's plenty of those examples. Uh, let's pull the draft board back up. So, yeah. You mentioned end of the first round. Yeah. And then into the early second, second round. So you look, yeah, Miles, Miles McBride, potential first-round pick, unranked. Jared Butler, 101.67. Joe Wieskamp, 58.3. And then you look at Quentin Grimes, Josh Christopher, both rated on uh, average in the top 10. Uh, yeah. Io Sunmu, he I think his kind of varied a little bit. He's at 32, but I think in one of them, he might have been rated a little bit higher than most. No, I guess not. I guess yeah. not. Maybe at one point he was rated. I think uh, at one point he was rated a little higher than that. Yeah. Uh, the Morgan Park guard who obviously went to Illinois and was, a, was just a really productive player. I think he's an enigma, Ronnie. I think second round, you know. He I'm was, a little surprised he's not Yeah, in the more of the 20 range to 25. Maybe there's some questions about his speed, his, his um, you know, mobility, and maybe his consistent three-point ball. Yep. Those are the those are the question marks that that come up for me when I when I watch him play at Illinois. Obviously, though, he's a winner. He's tough. He's physical. Big, pretty he's big, strong. He's got an yeah. NBA body. Uh, and yeah, I think I think he's a guy who could definitely outplay his draft position, or a guy on draft night who goes higher than expected because maybe yeah. there's one team out there who was like, oh damn, we really like this guy. We really, we really like need him. him. You never know. You never. And know. look at that's going another guy to the Thunder. I mean, right now. <laughs> You would think I'm a Thunder fan. You, I want yeah. them to load up. Yeah, like the Thunder could package all this and, and, and maybe get a veteran that you don't know. Maybe they want to trade up, may, you know. And then I guess we got to talk a little bit about the Thunder. Obviously, he got traded, but I'm thinking of, well, you know, the Lakers and Chris Paul just lost that series with the Suns. Are the Lakers really thinking about, you know, moving and, and trying to make a move to get Chris Paul and or Russell Westbrook, and how will that affect the draft? How will that affect the team's, you know, salary caps, that kind of thing? Well, so yeah. Russell Westbrook is with the Wizards, right? The Wizards right. had the 15th pick, so they're, they'll keep that pick. And, yeah. I mean, if the Lakers somehow swing a trade for Russell Westbrook with the Wizards, the, the 22 pick will be in Washington. 
that may have to include them. That they may have to include. They were for, oh, sure, for sure. That yeah, unless unless it's a package that's like Dennis Schroeder, yeah. Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. Uh, can't think of, of anyone else. Anyone would want yeah. off the Lakers roster other than yeah. LeBron and AD because that roster turned out to be horrible. Um, hey, that's the only pick the Lakers have, Ronnie, in the whole draft. So wow. I just don't. I don't see. I don't see any draft picks really involved in a trade those, those for, trades, yeah. from yeah. the Lakers or you know to the Suns for for Chris Paul or whatever it may be. I think the trade baits you're going to see are here with the Thunder um, and also with the Rockets. And then now I can see I can see Orlando trying to do something. They have five yeah. eight five eight. It's going on thirty three. And any more? No, five eight thirty three. So those are all you know valuable picks, Ronnie. Those are yeah. all valuable picks that I could see them trying to make a move for a guy who is a veteran to replace a veteran that they had in uh, Nikola Vucevic, and try to figure out a way to to stay relevant because obviously Aaron Gordon's gone too. So that's yeah. a that's a roster and rebuilding. Yeah, they definitely are are rebuilding. Obviously, you know they there's a lot of intriguing players to just go back to the top of the. Top of the whole draft. Like you said, it's a little top-heavy. I just – when I'm looking through these various picks, gotcha. potential picks, numbers, I don't see this game-changing 1984-1996 draft that people are talking about. I'm, I, I'm with you. I don't see that. I see good players, but like a guy like Zaire Williams, there's question marks about, you know um, – Chris Duarte, he's 24-year-old, he's a good player at Oregon. How how good is he going to be in kind of like a, a, a plug him into a veteran team or a pretty good team, and how much can he contribute? Sure. There's obviously a lot of international players that are good, but there's also some guards. I see a glut of guards. Yeah. Uh, Nashawn Highland, Trey Mann, Jaden Springer, Miles McBride. These are all guys 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". How many of them are going to be that good? That's uh, a good just, point. You know, small guards, you know, there's a, there's only one CP3. There's only so many good small guards, you know? Yeah. No, that's but a there's point. a lot here for picking. I mean, if you want one, there's a lot to choose from. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. And yeah. I think it's a lack. There's just a, really a lack of true big men nowadays, yeah. right? So it's harder to to find and, and bring on a big who's ready to contribute right away. I mean, obviously, Wiseman had some good games, but he still has a lot of growing to do, Ronnie. And yeah. He was supposed to be the best big man since sliced bread. You know what I mean? So um, Kai Jones is probably the one true five. And is he even a true five? Evan Mobley is kind of a four or five hybrid type player. Uh, But yeah, I think think anyone who's selling it as like a bird magic draft or even a LeBron, Darko, uh, D-Wade, Carmelo Anthony draft is, is way overselling this one. Uh, I think so because a lot of those players are players besides LeBron, and even LeBron was really proven. Obviously, he he was a once in a decade generation type prospect. Like you know, Dwayne Wade had proven something at at Marquette. You know, Carmelo led his team to uh, NCAA title kind of thing. I, I just think he was. It looked like he was going to be a big time NBA score, and he turned out to be. So the, the one you know, unproven guy in those four picks was Darko, and he didn't yeah. pan out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Detroit. I mean, what would Detroit have had on those Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace teams if they had Dewey Wade or or, or no. Carmelo, you know? Yeah, 
Yeah. It would just would they have packaged it for another superstar? Who knows? It worked out okay. They won a title, so you know maybe Detroit. Obviously, they Detroit liked what they got in last year's draft, and they. I don't think most people don't think they're going to go wrong with Kate Cunningham. He's going to be a starting guard in the NBA. Yeah, and uh, you know he's kind of proven. And like you mentioned about some of the players, their stats may be because uh, you definitely mentioned that with Jane Boatnight at UConn that his stats may be a little altered because he had to carry the low. Well, you know, Cade had to, and his numbers are still really good. Yeah. 20.1 points, 6.2 rebounds, 3.5 assists, shot over 40% from the three. His overall field goal percentage is a little low again because, like you said, shot clock running out, but then when you look at his 84.6% free throw shooting, you realize he can shoot. And yep. his turnover is a little high, but again, that's because he has the ball in his hands. So many guys on this draft and recent drafts need the ball in their hands. And that's what I'm a little concerned about some of these guys that are 6'1", 6'3". There's only so many impactful guys well, that right. I yeah. on a day-in-a-day-night I'm, day basis that are that size. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not comparing – what I do at Fullerton Junior yeah. College to the NBA or just yeah. trying to draw a parallel. A lot of the guys we get are guys that in the high school level are used to having the ball in their hands and doing yeah. whatever they want, whenever they want. Correct. So it, you, you can imagine that at that level, the junior college level, you have guys who need to learn to play without the ball. You can yeah. imagine the NBA level guys who need to learn how to play without the ball. Because yeah. like, like we've said over and over and over, 2% of the NBA plays with the ball in their hands. LeBron yeah. James, Kyrie Irving, uh, Steph Curry, James, you know, Harden. All, James Harden, uh, Donovan Mitchell. You know, Even Devin Booker plays off the ball. So Chris Paul's yeah. on the ball. You look at a guy like uh, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant plays off the ball. And he's yeah. you know, the top four player in the world. So yeah. Kawhi Leonard, is he ball dominant? No, Paul George is not ball dominant either. Um, yeah. So these guys know how to play the game without the basketball in their hands. And, and a lot of these guys that are on this board don't know how to do that. And that's a, that's a scary, scary type of uh, proposition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because Jonathan Kaminga is a good example. He's going to have to yeah. learn not to have less volume to be more effective. He had a lot of volume with the, with the G League team. And at times it looked good, but other times the percentages didn't, didn't equate out to being like, hey, that's how an NBA team is going to use them. They're right. not going to want them shooting – you know, 38 36%, like, no way. They, they need it higher, right. kind of, as, you, as you mentioned. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some of the guys that our core of our followers and our listeners and our viewers like to talk about. Some guys that, like, on the West Coast are guys that are a little bit more local. Okay. Obviously, we can even include, you know, Jalen Green in that. He, you know, went to San Joaquin Memorial for three years, and, and he – you know, Gavin Mobley, Rancho Christian had a terrific career. And then we get into some of the two of the guys who are, pro- are projected to go lower. And, you know, Zaire Williams, you know, he kind of didn't have a great season at Stanford to people's liking. Again, look at his his um, his consensus ranking was 5.67. So most people thought he was pretty much a top six player in his 220 class. And then Zaire Williams, you know, he had some poor shooting games. Maybe by percentage-wise, he was a little bit weaker than people thought. But he has great size for his position. Again, he's a local guy from Sierra Canyon. Then we got B.J. Boston, who was kind of his running mate at Sierra Canyon. And 
he didn't really have a knock off the block season ever at 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 uh, Kentucky. Right. You know, he kind of look at it and look at his consensus ranking, Devin. It's right around where he was basically ranked one spot higher than Zaire. Yeah. If Zaire's five point six seven, he's five point three three. That means they were ranked five six or six seven, depending. You know, depending on what what um what scouting service we're talking about, what national recruiting service. And, you know, he's 6'6 guard, struggled at times, maybe uh, game in and game out. But look at his ranking, 6'6 six, six, and 4. Yeah. Right? But he has a lot of ability. So, again, uh, talk a little bit in your perspective. And then Josh Christopher from Mayfair, too, is on the board. Maybe a late first rounder, maybe an early second rounder. I think people coming in – Coming into college, thought he was going to be a little bit higher than that in this draft. I don't think me and you thought necessarily that was the case. No, we. I mean, I, yeah. I love Josh, great kid, and yeah. obviously we we've covered him since he was a middle school player. Yeah. We watched him grow. We watched him, you know, really elevate his game into a, an NBA scorer. I think he has a lot. A lot of people compare him to Nick Young, and I think he kind of resembles what Nick Young does as, as far as style of play goes. He's high volume, sure, and he could either be on or there's potential that he could be off. But as far as the scoring package goes, Ronnie, uh, Josh is as good of a scorer as anyone in this draft. He really is. And his body type, it's you know 6'4", really strong. He's, pre- he's, he's pretty explosive. Like You look at his legs and people are like, oh, he's not really explosive. He's explosive. And sure. He battled some injuries last year at Arizona State, so it wouldn't surprise me if someone took a chance on Josh Christopher late first round. It wouldn't surprise me if he slipped into the late second round where we have him slotted right now at 33 to Orlando. Yeah. And and it wouldn't surprise me if he goes, you know, in that second round or in that first round that he has a really good NBA career just because of the fact that, you know, we talk to him a lot, we've been around him a lot. He's a he's a driven guy, he's confident. Uh, yeah. He believes in himself, and uh, a lot of what success is in life is believing in yourself. And, and Josh Christopher has no, qualms no problems there. Yeah, the, yeah. And he, the two things that I, I worry about him, and I I can see why you have him where you have him slotted is his wiggle to get by guys, and then like shot selection and how much he's going to be effective without the ball. Yeah, you know, I I, I I I think he's a good explosive player, strong like you said, but how much wiggle does he have? Does he going to get in the key? And look at his look at his ranking, and look at his his uh, you know where people projected him eight, ten, and eleven. So I mean, he's basically a top ten player. Yeah. But what kind of what transpired that he wasn't a top ten player? Probably some of the things me and you just spoke about is again, is he can play out of the guard because it's it's six three six four as a shooting guard. That's not great size, and and some of maybe his. Um, verticality above the rim and and getting by guys with the wiggle, you know, having the ability to drive by guys consistently and easily not taking the amount of dribbles he did at Mayfair or Arizona State. It's going to have to be much faster. Yep. Yeah, I think I think a, a big thing for him that will help him in getting into his move. Yeah. Yeah, it, what what you're discussing right now is the catch and shoot 3, right? I think that's yeah. going to be really important for him to be able to hit that catch and shoot 3 because it just it, if a guy can respect your ability to shoot without uh, using your dribble, right? Shoot yeah. with you know triple threat ability, be able to pass, shoot, or, or dribble, whatever. Um, it makes you much harder to guard if you can shoot a catch and shoot three. And I have Brandon Boston Jr.'s num- numbers up right now, and the reason why he's so low 
It's a variety of things. He didn't have a good year at Kentucky. Uh, and when you're at Kentucky and you don't have a good year, the spotlight is already on you because you're at Kentucky. And then sure. that, that shit just gets hotter. The spotlight just and gets right. hotter and brighter because yeah. you're at Kentucky. Yeah. So he shot 30% from three. 35% from the field overall. So that's 38% from, from two-point range. That's just not going to cut it. And then no. not a great defender, not super physical. Um, yeah. you know, Gets knocked off the ball a bit. Yeah, gets knocked off balance when he tries to drive. Yeah. Uh, needs to really you know get his base built better. Um, I'm going to create like a, a workout video, base built better, and just do a full yeah. leg workout. <laughs> Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're talking about a lot of these guys that, like you said, they can score at the college level. We know they're great high school scores, but there's some some question marks about their ability to do that at the highest level. And I think Zaire Williams has that question mark as well. But but I think in Zaire's case, he's bigger, maybe yeah. even a little longer. He's going up in this draft, like he, from where people say, "Oh God, he's, he's 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 struggling, not having a good year." But I think people are starting to see some of the things he can do. He's a little upright to me. He doesn't get by guys easily. He's upright. He's always been upright, but I obviously he got away. With it. it didn't matter at the high school level, and I'm yeah. not even sure it mattered much in the college level. But that's going to be a, a thing to watch in the pro level. Yes, yeah, so um, Boston shot thirty percent from three. Josh Christopher thirty point five percent from the college three. Yeah, let's pull up Zaire Williams. Obviously, yeah. he has a smaller sample size because he didn't, he didn't play as many games. Actually, you know what? Him yeah. and Christopher might have played the same amount of games. Yeah, he had some injury issues too. Yeah, Zaire Williams, 29.1% from three. So they're all in that similar range. I think the difference with Zaire, again, yeah. his size at 6'8", yeah. mobility, um, and then like mobility on the perimeter for his size yeah. is what I'm saying. Correct. And then, mobility on the perimeter. Right. And then uh, I think he has a higher IQ, higher basketball IQ, just simple plays, uh, better passer. Right. Might be, you know, a more efficient ball handler. Does less. I mean, does more. Does more with does, less. Does yeah. more with less. Does more with less time on the ball, which is extremely correct. Important. And that's that's the point I was making about. You mentioned the catch shoot with Josh Christopher at six four. He holds the ball a lot to get into that shot. Sure, that's going to have to be cleaned up if he's going to be a long term player. Yep, no doubt. Let me pull up Zaire Williams one more time before we jump to our next topic. So as you can see here, Zaire Williams. He had all the accolades. I mean, yeah, all the accolades. People thought he was great. Again, I thought he came on late for some. Obviously, our guy Frank Brosen was a big uh, fan of his. You are were a big fan of his. Like, guys, this guy's really good. Yeah. And then everybody caught on late, and he went five. And then all of a sudden, in college, it's like, ah, he's having a bad season or whatever. You yeah. know, whatever the case may be. He started strong. He did. I, I remember he started strong last year, and then he maybe kind of tailed off. He had some nagging injuries. Did he even finish the season, or did he have some nagging injuries? thought maybe. he had some nagging injuries. Yeah, he, he didn't finish the season. Let me pull up how many games he played. One, one second. Let me pull it up real quick. Yeah, he definitely wasn't as, I guess, he became highly touted later on in his high school career rather than being a guy who was wire to wire, you know, considered yeah. a top 10 prospect. He wasn't. His freshman year and sophomore year, he was relatively unknown on the national level. Correct. Uh, we knew about him. Yeah, we yeah, because obviously you played locally at Sherman Oaks yeah. name, and then obviously it's well, it's very interesting in this draft. Remember when we went to that Mission Viejo tournament and we saw <laughs> Zaire and we saw Jalen yeah. Green with San Joaquin Memorial. We did. We did. Their that was first high school games. Yeah, doesn't seem like that long ago, but like it's time has moved by fast. Man, and they were terrific. I wish. I wish. Yeah, that was, Jalen was ahead of Zaire at that point, but you could see Zaire had a lot of ability. 
Yeah, and I think the game really just came so easy to him, to Zaire. He didn't really he didn't really have to force the issue. He didn't have like he didn't have plays drawn for him. He kinda, you know, slashed, got offensive rebounds, slashed off the ball, finished, hit threes, catch and shoot threes, and that was like, oh dang. He was six, probably six six at that time. Yeah. And like if he gets anywhere near six nine, he's a high major potential NBA player and it ended yeah. up happening. But yeah, I wish, man, that, that Mission Viejo tournament used to be so good. And yeah. we got to see a lot of young talent. And unfortunately, uh, that's just not the case anymore. So looking at Zaire's, you played 20 games. So I guess played 20 games, majority of their season, I guess. Yeah. He played the majority of the season. Yeah. So he started out um, first two games, 19 points, 10 points, middle of the season, uh, 12, 16, 17, uh, 12, 16, 17 again. And then he had some games where he just wasn't very good. Uh, seven six nine two against Washington State in a loss. Wow. So man, yeah, I mean, like like we said, um, yeah. back to the draft board real quick. Like we said, it's it's up here. Uh, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, the two best West Coast guys available on the board. And after the top four, number five is where the draft begins. Number five is where the draft begins. Um, it's very interesting because yeah. it's it's Scotty Barnes right now. It's looking like. He's probably going to go ahead of Jonathan Kaminga, where it wasn't the case two months ago. And I think, and I think when the, you biggest look at that, is, the biggest reason is, Ronnie, is because he showed that he could play within a system at the college level where Kaminga yeah. went G League. And obviously, Jalen Green, his stock, like you said earlier, his stock is not going to fluctuate very much just because of yeah. the athlete that he is and the playmaker yeah. that he has the potential to be. Jonathan yeah. Kaminga is, is, is limited, and he showed that. Yeah. He showed that in a G League, and Scotty Barnes showed that he could pass, dribble, and shoot. I mean, yeah. not really to three, the three-point line, but uh, like a, a Draymond Green, a little bit better, a little, little bit better rebounding Draymond Green. Skilled Draymond Green, yeah, that's and that's a very attractive thing, especially since Draymond showed he can do that on a, a high-level team, a championship-level team. Now, obviously, the Magic doesn't have the personnel that the Warriors have, but you get the our picture of what we're trying to paint of Scotty. If you've seen Scotty play, he's played at a lot of events. He's played on a national stage with Montverde. I mean, he, to me, he played just as much as on national team with Montverde as Florida state, it seems like, but it, it's like, you know, if you pull some of these other players in this draft and some of the other good players that we know in this, it, you know, in two twenty two, they all would want to play Scotty. They'd want Scotty Barnes on their team. Then rather than not on their team, and there's some guys in this draft, they'd be like, hell no, I don't want him on our team. It goes back to what you're saying about the volume, either holding the ball or the volume of shots they need to be effective. Yeah, I think the one thing that sets Scotty Barnes apart from Kuminga in what we've seen is motor. You can always count on Scotty Barnes to come and play hard. Yeah. Always. He always brings his best effort. He always you know, plays with a high basketball IQ. He's a good passer. He can dribble it. He can rebound the defensive glass. He can lead the break. He can do a little bit of everything that you want in a point forward style NBA player. Like a like we said, a little bit more skilled, potentially Draymond Green. Um, where then you look at Kuminga, Ronnie, and it's just sometimes it's like body language. Sometimes it's motor. It's like uh, bad. He to, what is he doing when he doesn't have the ball in his hands? Standing, and that's yeah. the one thing you can't do is stand. And is he going to be able to guard? the wings at the NBA level. I think Scotty Barnes defensively might be the, one of the better on ball defenders in this draft. And yeah. maybe 
uh, one of the better team defenders, as in, you know, reading, rotating, uh, reading coverages, taking charges, being in the right defensive position. I, I don't see a better defender other than maybe Evan Mobley yeah. in this draft than Scotty Barnes. And that's why I think he's yeah. he's so valued. Coveted, yeah. And that makes sense. Guard, Guard-wise, the best guard defender is Davion Mitchell. We don't want to skip that. The best like yeah. guard on ball, guard defender, guard to guard is Davion Mitchell. Yeah. But as far as like team defense goes and like full defensive concepts for size and, and all that, Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley are, are right there as well. Yeah. And like you said, another thing that takes advantage, and we're going to talk about this more in our draft special, the day of the draft, Thursday, July 29th, about 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. If you guys want to please tune in is for Barnes. What I think separates him, Moses Moody, those guys were able to play their projected position in high school. You know, with the with the way, like if you look at a guy who who maybe went to a, a goes to a poor high school, like not as strong obviously, is they got to play out of position. So then they got to readjust when they get to college and now they got to maybe adjust again. I think that's where Moses Moody um you know, obviously that could be three players from Monverde in the first round. And and you have Moses Moody there 15. Is he really played the shooting guard and off the ball at Monverde because he played with Kate Cunningham? Right. So and look at what it, it translated for him. Look where he was ranked. And then in his one college season, people obviously saw something good because he's already in the draft and he's expected to go higher than where he was ranked the year before. So you know what they saw? They saw he can shoot that damn rock, Ronnie. Yeah. Yeah. And he has pretty good size and he can move. He defends. That whole team defended. That was one of their obviously Scotty Barnes was the leader of that. But almost all of the all those guys defended. Dayron Sharp, um, Kate Cunningham, Moses, they 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 and then the fifth star on that team was obviously Caleb Houston, who's who's going to Michigan. He's not in this draft, but he was the only underclassman. Right. On the team, which is coming down as like, you know, we'll see on draft night. But like, wow, people are going to be really wild by that. I don't want to get into that too much. We'll talk a little bit more of that on the day of the draft as it unfolds. Okay. You know, we, we will save some for the hopper later. But I did want to mention before we, we kind of wrap this up, uh, Devin, uh, the guys who maybe not will get drafted or the guys who are kind of on the cusp, and that includes some local guys. Does that include our guy from Sierra Canyon, Dwayne Washington from Ohio yeah, State? He's on the yeah, he's on the cusp. Who's kind of also on the cusp or toward right toward the bottom. Very interesting. Um, our guy from Michigan who was in the G League who just had uh, okay moments, wasn't really that impactful at the time, but he showed glimpses and flashes was Isaiah Todd. Yeah. You know, and he can go anywhere in the low 50s. Maybe he goes, maybe somebody likes him higher or maybe he doesn't get drafted. I think right now yeah. people are kind of projecting him to be drafted. And then Deshaun Nix, who's a West Coast guy who played at Trinity International for our guy, Coach Locke. He didn't go to UCLA, and he showed up to the G League, and it was like, wow. You know, he was all eyes were on him because, again, that was only basketball in town at the time. Yep. You know, it was only one team, and, and people have to really – they were paying close attention to him. And he didn't really come off the block as he, he should have physically maybe he has the skills but physically he wasn't in the tip-top shape he needed to be to move up in this draft yeah his body wasn't right and isaiah todd another one i have him at 52 to the pistons he again yeah. he could could be a situation where a team really likes him 
and wants to take a chance on him and thinks he has a lot of potential because he does. Or it could be a fact that, or it could be he doesn't get drafted. But yeah, I think, they saw enough of what they saw. Yeah, and I think I, I think he'll end up late, late second round. I think someone won't won't let him fall through the cracks unless there's something I don't know because I'm not like yeah. that kind of insider. Um, yeah. And I Dacian Nix it at 60 overall, the, the last pick, Ronnie, because like you said, he came into the to the G League just not ready, just not, not ready. Prepared. He yeah. would have he, he would have really benefited from. Uh, you're at, at UCLA, I think, uh, under that program and kind of just getting his body right and, and all that, all that good stuff. Um, a couple other guys, Ronnie, in the second round. So let's before we jump off, let's g- give me a couple guys in the second round, one or two guys who you like as guys who will be good long term, or maybe a guy that you think is uh, an enigma. Okay, let's go with the guys I like and and they can maybe do something. Um. A little bit higher, but I mentioned Miles McBride. I like him because he, he went to Moeller High School. He was a total winner. I thought he was like a borderline high school All-American. I thought he should have been in most people's top 100 uh, because he won in high school. Wasn't really ranked. You know what I mean? Went to, to West Virginia, did a good job there. Uh, can shoot it pretty well. Tough. Can defend. Can run a team. I, I think he has a chance to be a good if you're looking for a backup, he's a guy you should be looking at. A backup that who can contribute. Kind of Obviously, like, you want all the guards you get to be starters, yeah. but you know, at the p- value that he's going at, he can be a hell of a backup. Yeah. You know, and then and maybe he is. If he went into the Suns, that'd be a hell of a thing for him. Obviously, he couldn't probably be on the court much with Chris Paul at the same time because they're kind of two small guards, but he can learn, learn the game. And then the second guy. I wanted to mention was at the more towards the bottom, and that is John Petty. I've watched him for a long time. He he, he played with um, travel ball. I got to see him. If he can show that he has enough ball handling, I think he can stick in the NBA. Obviously, where he might go, or maybe he doesn't get drafted. Maybe he comes in as a free agent to a team. I think he has what it takes to stick around. There'll be a few guys like that. He's always can get, you know, he's always been a pretty good shooter. And if he just needs to improve on his new nuances of the game, maybe being off the ball, handling it. He's not too big for a small forward. But he was very highly regarded, you know. And he 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 played a lot in Vegas with his travel team. I think he even played with his high school teammate Jameson at various events. And I just thought he was always a good player. I mean, that's reflected in his high school ranking. I think that's pretty fair. ESPN obviously liked them. They had him 22, which basically makes him a McDonald's All-American. But, you know, he, he was a high school All-American. He played in the Jordan brand. And I, I just thought he had a good game. I, I think he, he showed he was kind of like an NBA prospect. I'm not really sure. At Alabama, they got a lot of scoring at Alabama. But I just don't think he quite handled the ball good enough to be uh, maybe like a college All-American or higher in this draft. Okay. So – the guy I want to talk about is this guy, Mister yeah. Mister College Basketball. Yeah, I mean, you look at his numbers. You look at his numbers, and obviously, that's not everything that's you know transferable or translatable. Sure. But this dude put up insane numbers at Iowa, and last season was twenty four points, eight rebounds, and 
Where's his assist numbers? Because yeah, one point seven assists, but twenty four and eight, and the year before that, twenty twenty four and nine, almost ten. Is yeah. he a Tyler Hansbro type running? Um, I or, I think so. If you look at well, here's what I'm trying to figure out. In high school, he's in the 105s as a consensus ranking. So right. whether people's question is foot speed, maybe his overall ability. And then he has a – I mean, look at his ranking there. And then he has a hell of a college career. Now it's back to the same thing where he's ranked in high school. Like there's all these question marks. But me and you are the same as we like production. He was a, on my high school All-American team. Because I thought he produced, and it produced that that translated to Iowa. It's kind of similar to what we said about John Petty. Like he produced state championships, he produced, and it for some reason there's still question marks maybe about his speed, his mobility. But I thought he answered some of those at Iowa. But maybe maybe it's just the NBA game so fast and. and and, and, you know, the, a true back-to-the-basket guy that's not Evan Mobley is not, just not that valid if he can't move. And even Evan Mobley is not truly a back-to-the-basket guy. True. Yeah, I think I think limitations as far as vertical explosiveness and lateral speed and, and all that yeah. and foot speed up and down the court are the biggest issues. But he's big strong, big, strong dude who plays hard. Uh, it's going to be inter- interesting to see if he's drafted where he's drafted, and what kind of career he has. Another guy I want to look at, Ronnie, Matthew Hurt from Duke. Obviously, his his ranking, uh, 12.33 over here. I uh, have him slotted 53 to New Orleans. Uh, he was a highly regarded player. Went, yeah, Went to Duke, uh, didn't really have that great two seasons. Am I? Yeah, he's class of 219. Yeah, he didn't have that. You know, it's his, his freshman year was a little underwhelming and kind of you know, obviously Duke was under some different circumstances because Coach K was kind of reaching the end of his ropes there. And yeah. maybe there was other things going on, you know, behind the scenes that we didn't really know about and maybe took the, the a little bit more pressure onto yeah. the players to win uh, and kind of hurt his, you know, ability to uh, produce. But uh, that's all speculation, obviously. But you never know. He was a really, he's a really talented dude. 6'9", long, shoots it. I know our guy, uh, you know, Charlie Torres, our guy uh, at Orange Lutheran now uh, from La Mirada, he's been working him out, and he thinks he's one of the best shooters in the draft. Uh, and I, you know, I take Charlie's word for what it is. I, I believe the things that he says. And obviously Matthew Hurt, 18.3 points um, and 6.2 rebounds as a sophomore. And his freshman year, he only averaged 9.7 points. So he took a big leap. So maybe, so maybe think that will continue. Yeah, maybe he's a guy who ends up continuing to get better and better. Um, but he also could be like a Kyle Singler type who is just kind of a, a role guy for a little bit and then you know plays overseas or whatever it may be. Yeah, and that, um, I mean, that's not, he's slotted to get picked. That might not be bad, but it's just saying we're kind of saying why, you know, maybe he was a little overvalued in high school. We did see him at um, down at the Ladera Sports Complex for D1 Minnesota. I'm sure you were there. I've seen him a few other times. I did see a really good player, but like you said, I'm not sure I saw a number eight or nine or ten player in the country. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. And then, and that's that's okay, you know. Like, you know, obviously he went to Duke, so people probably thought he was very good. But like you said, Duke hasn't been that great, right? The last couple years, obviously since the R.J. Barrett, um, you know, Zion team, they in the last two years they were kind of struggling at times, especially last year. They struggled, and then. You know, to see a Jalen Johnson type 
a recruit just leave the team. That that's not what you expect that to do. So, right. you know, like you said, it was the end of Coach K's run, and maybe they're going to have a reset, and maybe uh, they're going to you know kind of revamp there and, and and continue to produce players at a high level. But uh, I'm not I'm not seeing that. I, I think where you have them slot, it's fine. Okay. And the last guy before we close this out uh, is Kessler Edwards, a Southern California guy. And I forgot where I had him slot. Let me go back. 44 to Brooklyn. I like this. Yeah. I'm a yeah. big Kessler Edwards guy. You know I've always been a big Kessler Edwards guy. Yeah. Um, obviously unranked in high school. Didn't play on a shoe circuit team. He played for Prodigy, Cameron Murray, and Tracy Murray. Um, run that program. It's a really well-run program. They put out a lot of good players. Correct. And, and if you saw him then, you if you were totally projecting, you could say if this guy can grow two, three inches, he looked like a top one hundred player. I see why he wasn't ranked, but I could I think I thought he was pretty close to that. Yeah. Toward the end, especially toward the end of his senior year. Yeah. Yeah, this this picture you're seeing is from when he was in high school. So yeah. he put on a lot of weight. And he has grown a, a couple inches. Obviously, six eight was probably he was probably six seven when he graduated high school. Uh, yeah. He's still young, one of the younger players um, in his class when he graduated, and had a really solid career at Pepperdine. But I think, you know, at six nine, and he's he's a lot bigger, a lot stronger, really well built, really smart. Uh, and again, Ronnie, a guy who doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective. He can play off the ball. He can guard multiple positions, and he's played within a team concept at Etiwanda, which we know develops you know really high level, high IQ guys. And then at Pepperdine, also played in a similar style format as that. As a guy who uh, you know he played alongside Colby Ross, a point guard, high scoring yeah. point guard, who was one of the you know top scorers in in the uh, West Coast Conference when he was there. I think he might be. I think he might be the Pepperdine's all time leading scorer. And yeah. Kobe Ross had the ball in his hands, I'd say 97% of the time. Yeah. Kind of a high volume, high dribble guy. And Kessler Edwards still is on everyone's draft board, regardless of that, because he brings so many different things to the table. Yeah. He's pretty versatile. He can score a bit. He can defend. He can move. Team first guy. Like you said, he's not probably not that much younger than some of these guys. Yeah. Who played in college for two years. Right. You know, he's probably not that much older, I should say, you know, not yeah. younger, older. They're not, those guys are not that much younger is what I meant to say. But <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a very interesting. There's going to be a lot of California guys or West Coast guys drafted as we're looking and we talk about them. That just goes to show how strong our 219 or 220, um, you know, high school classes were. They were very good. There were some good ball. I mean, Onyeka Okongu's already in the NBA. Mallow's already in the NBA. You know, even if you want to throw Marvin Bagley leaving a college early, you know, he, he played at Sierra Canyon. So it's very interesting. Want to throw something out here and see what you think, Devin, as we close up. Okay. You, because BJ Boston and Zaire Williams are probably going to get drafted. Obviously, Zaire's going to get drafted. Yeah. And most likely BJ too. As you look at Amari Bailey, who's California Mr. Basketball, who was a junior at Sierra Canyon this year. And you just look at some of his teammates. Okay, I mean, it's this is a pretty amazing thing and an interesting number. Again, in the next we'll talk a little bit about more on draft day in our draft special. He was teammates with KJ Martin, who's already in yeah. the NBA. Teammates with Cassius Stanley in the NBA. 
teammates with Zaire, teammates with BJ Boston. And then that's already four guys in the NBA. Then you look at, is Scottie Pippen Jr. going to be in the NBA? Like, meaning, can he, is he going to play a game? Regardless if he gets drafted, right? Yeah, he could, yeah. You know, that's, that's five guys. Then you look at his current teammates, Bronny. Is Bronny going to play a game in the NBA? You know, it's just, they, yeah. uh, so what I'm trying to get at is our guy, Amari Bailey, might have like five or six teammates that played in, played with in the NBA, and then he might be in the NBA. Yeah. He might be one of the better ones of all those guys. Right. That's pretty crazy if you think about like high school, how many guys go to the NBA, like, and how many good players have gone through Sierra Canyon. Just in, And then Dwayne Washington, is yeah. he going to get drafted and play uh, a 10 day contract or a two way contract? I mean, this guy um, I'm speaking of might be have five or six teammates in the NBA. That's pretty nuts. Yeah, that is crazy. And another crazy stat before we leave, Ronnie, is that Montverde team, Montverde team could have yeah. how many players selected in the in the in this draft? Yeah, four in the first round. If Dayron goes in the first round, they'll have three in pretty for sure in the first round. And then Philip Petru Petru, I want to say his. I don't want to Petrusev? watch his name. Petru. Correct. He played on the R.J. Barrett team that won the national title in 2018. So, man, it's just these guys are going to these strong teams, and it's just I think in many ways you you can't fault them. Look how it's preparing them. Yeah. And then it's pretty interesting to see these guys from Sierra Canyon. You know, as K.J. Martin's already produced in the NBA, he's already played some games and some productive games. Cassius has had his moments. And 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 uh, Mari Bailey might be as good as all of them. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting to see what happens on draft night, which is a week from the time of this recording. Uh, make sure you guys, after you watch this, prepare yourself, set a reminder for our second annual draft party presented by Ball is Life on draft night. We're going to start it hopefully around 3.15 or 3.30 Eastern time. Hopefully have, yeah, yeah oh, sorry, yeah. Pacific time, 6.15, 6.30 Eastern time. Hopefully, we're working on having a few guests on. Uh, we've already recorded a couple of uh, special interviews that we're going to throw in during the draft party. So make sure you guys set a reminder to watch that. We'll promo it throughout the week. And also, um, check out the Ball Life Podcast Network on YouTube. Uh, you can check out all of our podcasts. Uh, buckets and know, breakdowns in the paint buckets and breakdowns uh let's get technical on the rise let's get technical for rashid and bonzi we're hoping rashid and bonzi get on uh the draft party show next week um yeah we appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week with us on the in the paint show or on the rise whatever podcast you listen to on the ball side podcast network but until the next episode of the in the paint show ronnie and Devin are signing off